athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my You're locked into the Dopey Show on Radio Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As always, we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. And I'm going to tell you what, like I'm not a Dodgers fan, but I mean, I got to be honest, like I was I was rooting for the Dodgers in part because the Dodgers produced Jackie Robinson, first black player in Major League Baseball, modern day Major League Baseball. So, you know, I, I, you know, I mean, we've had Dave Roberts as a guest on this program also. So, like, you know, I, I watched the game on Tuesday and, <laughs> you know, as I'm sitting there watching the game, like I watched the first inning, um, I, I took a little bit of a break. Came, I actually came back in the fifth inning when Blake Snell was dealing, like he was putting in that work. Dodgers get a hit, was that, it was went out bottom, uh, top of the fifth. And Kevin Cash comes out, pulls Snell out of the game. Like in that particular instance right there, we can talk about the analytics and the numbers and I mean, his thought process, meaning Cash was that, well, he doesn't do well with the batters at that once they've batted three times or their third time around. Like that to me, I, you know, it, it's there's too many analytics and probabilities and what could happen here and what could happen there. I mean, I'm watching that game on TV, so obviously, if it's a lot different when you're there, and in that moment, you can. I mean, couldn't he feel that he had? something special going on that night that Snell was going to be able to get it done even the third time around that was a one to nothing baseball game the final score of that game would have been at at the minimum one to nothing who knows maybe because the Dodgers are sort of you know the Dodgers pitching is sort of shaky like and 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 actually I mean I thought the Dodgers pitchers were, were was a little bit shaky uh the pitching throughout the course of the series, but I think you also have to give credit to the Rays in terms of timely hits throughout the course of this series. You look at the Dodgers, they had a, you know, they'll have a four to nothing lead. You you look up next is four to three, whatever the case may be. So I think you have to, you do have to give the Rays a lot of credit there, but man, I mean, what Snell was doing, like you can't take him out of the game at that point. I don't care what the numbers say. I don't care what, the batting average is of the Dodgers third time around against him. He's got to stay in 
the game. The Dodgers had no confidence. Zero. They had zero confidence against Snell in that game. Zero. I mean, they, you know, Mookie Betts, who's been, was absolutely phenomenal, as a matter of fact, in the series, said after the game, like, he couldn't believe that the Rays were pulling Snell from the game. You bring in the relief pitcher who, by the way, has given up at least one run in his last six appearances. No! That was the absolute wrong move. I mean, I can you can look at it and say, well, uh, again, not good against the Dodger hitting the third time around. Maybe he should have been better previously the third time around. But it's the ebbs and flows of the game. You can have you know, in your mind what you're going to do and what the numbers say and all those things. But how the game, to me, dictates what you do. And that's in any sport. Like, being around, you know, having coached Little League and, you know, whatever. It's not Major League Baseball. It's not even anywhere near it. But baseball is baseball. And there's just, when, when there's a pitcher in the game and having not only having coached it, right, but also uh, my daughter plays travel softball, son plays travel baseball. So when they're getting, I mean, a pitcher is on and really doing their thing, you know, you you know you're not going to be able to hit that pitcher. And then when a new pitcher comes in, and I mean, we've had some times when it's been, you know, maybe the score's out of range, couldn't hit the pitcher, maybe it's 8 nothing or whatever the score is, and then you bring a new pitcher in, doesn't throw as hard, it's not as good. You know, you're looking like, okay, we can hit this guy. And then you start to get some runs and you start to get some hits. And that's exactly what happened with the Dodgers. I I don't know what cash was. I mean, I you know, listen, I know if you're a Rays fan, you've got to be irate. You were looking to push that thing to a game seven on Wednesday. You have to now hope for next year. I mean, you know, in, you know, when you look at Cash, I mean, when I look at him, he's done some really good things. I mean, obviously, he started out slow, but, I mean, the Rays have made the playoffs the last couple of years, including all the way to the World Series this year. And then the other thing is sometimes you can leave, and I'm not advocating for Cash at all. Like, I think that was the absolute wrong move. Sometimes you can leave a guy in the game too long. We've seen that happen multiple times, but this wasn't that time because it was only five and a third innings. So we may talk a little bit about the Dodgers a little bit more today on the program, but my thing is, listen, I'm happy for the Dodgers organization. You've got a black owner in Magic Johnson and a game for the Dodgers. Jackie Robinson, the first black player in baseball, was a Dodger product so congratulations to the Dodgers so again the election is November the 3rd now I I say the election that's the day that's the last day you can vote hopefully in your area you've by now done your early voting hopefully you've done it in person Uh, again I realize we're in COVID-19 if you're if you're able to be safe and you know, we're able to get out there, and I'm sure still some time for you to vote right now. Like a lot of places, uh, I think, well, at least here in North Carolina, early voting ends on the 31st, right, on Halloween. So still time 
to register and vote. And then if you're if you haven't or unable to do that by Halloween, please on Tuesday, vote, vote, vote. This is the most important, the most important election of our lifetime. So I'm uh, going to get to a couple of things today here on the program, a couple of matchups. And when you look at top 25, I think the, the, the premier matchup for this weekend is Ohio State is at Penn State. Penn State number 18, a shocking loss to Indiana. Congratulations to the Hoosiers who are obviously more known for basketball than football, but pulled off a great overtime victory. I, I thought the play was very close at that near pylon. I, I actually thought that the ball, if you saw this play, I thought the ball, even on replay, and again, I'm not a fan of replay. I think re- they need to get rid of replay because not so much because in some instances they still get the call wrong anyway, although I think in this instance it was so close. Like I can't really say they got the call wrong because it needed to be a lot to overturn the call. I thought that the ball hit the ground first before it hit the pylon. Needs to be indisputable evidence to overturn that call. And again, that's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm like, get rid of replay. I mean, I think the officials with the naked eye, I mean, it. I mean, it, that was my thought. My thought was that it hit the ground first, but somebody else and a lot of other people didn't see it that way. And I think the call that was originally called is the call that we should stay. Yeah, if it's an egregious, something egregious, you know, like if we go back to the NFC Championship game with the Saints and the Rams going back a couple of years ago. Okay, that's egregious. We need instant replay there. But for the most part, I'm against instant replay. I I, I don't personally, I don't think they got it. Uh, they got it right. I think the ball hit the ground first. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Indiana, boy, I mean, Indiana really, really made a statement. Uh, but again, that's probably your marquee game is Ohio State at Penn State. The question is, how will the Nittany Lions bounce back? I mean, another key game, Michigan State at Michigan. Boy, this uh, <laughs> you throw everything out of the window. And for Harbaugh, like he's got to win this game. Like he's got to win the Wolverines got to win this uh, football game against Michigan State. Now, you know, I I, I want to say congratulations to Coastal Carolina, who's number 20 in the nation. I mean, to the Chanticleers. I mean, if you go back a couple of years ago, this was a team that was in the FCS. I remember when Coastal Carolina, maybe going back uh, 2013 perhaps, played at North Carolina A&T. North Carolina A&T, the Aggies missed an extra point, ended up losing that game 31-30, to and that was going back again 2013-2014, the an FCS program, and now Coastal Carolina, number 20 in the country. Congratulations to Coastal Carolina. Still plenty more to come here on Box to Row. Thank you for joining us today on the program. I'm your host, Donald Ware still to come here on the program. We're going to talk with Indianapolis Colts starting nose tackle Grover Stewart on the program, formerly of Albany State. But up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM, 
I'm going to discuss the fact that Bethune-Cookman has decided to cancel athletics for the remainder of the season. And will other schools follow? Also, what does this mean for the MEAC? Talk more on the other side. It is Friday evening. How about a little Friday on Elm Street on this Friday before Halloween? A little bit of fabulous and Jadakiss stand up. Looked them in their eyes and said, if I knew son, I wouldn't know none. Heard a lot about me. You ain't never heard that I told none. If I'm hungry, I go hunting. I ain't doing no go funding in the afties. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, Log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Hey, Mommy, what you doing? Just doing some online shopping. Great. While you're at it, can you order an original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky? Of what? An original bag of Marjorie's beef jerky. It's really good, Mommy. Dad let me try some, and I ate the entire bag, and I was hoping you could help me replace it before he notices. Why would you eat all of Dad's beef jerky? Mommy, I couldn't help myself. Marjorie's beef jerky is so good, and Daddy says it's good for you. Well, it sounds like we had better buy two bags to avoid this from happening again. Marjorie's beef jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. From the Press Box to Press Row and BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. It's Friday, the day before Halloween. Glad you've joined us here on From the Press Box to Press Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. I'm your host, Donald Ware. Rush hour about over on the East Coast, still going on in the Central Time Zone. And if you're on the 405 out in L.A., San Diego, etc., Be safe and hope you're enjoying the program. In the last segment, talking a little bit about the L.A. Dodgers. Also talking some college football. Still to come here on the program. Going to be joined by Indy Colts starting nose tackle Grover Stewart. If you want to participate on the program, hit us up via Twitter at Box2Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X. The number two R-O-W. Also on my personal Twitter account at dware one at dware one or my personal Instagram account at where Donald. Is the MIAC in trouble once again? So we talked about this extensively last week and over the last really couple of months since it was announced that Florida A&M and the Bethune-Cookman 
We're going to leave the conference to join the SWAC on next year. At the top of the year, North Carolina A&T said it was leaving the conference, is leaving the conference to join the Big South. In the midst of all that, last week, the MEAC put out its schedule to start February 20th. It put out the fact that it was going to a divisional format, which would, in essence, for football anyway, well, for all sports, but in football will culminate with a championship game uh, in April. Great news for the MEAC. Looked like the MEAC was going to be able to maximize because, again, nine conference schools in terms of football playing schools this year, and then next year is going to drop down to six. So, again, as I mentioned last week, and in in weeks past, I thought that the MEAC really needed to maximize this year. It needs to really maximize this year in terms of uh, being able to get everything it can while it still had six football, or excuse me, nine football playing institutions. Well, of course, there's, and in in the midst of COVID-19, you're going to have many, many, monkey wrenches many of them so with that being said Bethune Cookman announced earlier in the week that it was not participating in athletics at all for the 2021 season the reasoning was because of not only the uptick of COVID-19 cases in Florida but more specifically in Volusia County where Daytona Beach is, where Bethune-Cookman is. Now, to me, I mean, I I don't, like, I get it, okay? So I've always been, and I still am, although, I mean, if you're going to play, you're going to play. Like, if we're going to play sports, and more specifically, intercollegiate athletics, then I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to support it. I'm going to be there, even though, listen, I don't want to catch COVID-19, and I don't want anybody. To catch it, and there's a great risk if you participate in athletics of catching COVID 19. We haven't seen the spread in collegiate athletics, we haven't seen it uh, in, 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 in the National Football League as much. The, and, and, and with respect to Major League Baseball, a little bit early on, there was, and then there, there wasn't until the very end, uh, uh, the, the final game, uh, that is, uh, with game six of the World Series. But, you know, like to me, it just feels like this is a financial situation with Bethune-Cookman. I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's too early to me. Like, who knows what's going to happen you know, maybe a month from now. Why does Bethune Cookman make this decision now? Okay. I mean, if you look at, let's go back to the decision that, you know, the Big Ten Pac 12 ultimately made. They made the decision early, decided, hey, we're not going to participate in football uh, this year. Ultimately, backtracked uh, money reasons and a lot of pressure, uh, more so than anything else. And they, and ultimately now, are playing football. Big Ten ultimately now is playing football. But again, that may have been a little bit premature for the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to make that decision. Well, I'm saying the same thing here, even though, I, you know, I, I, 
Again, I don't, I don't want anybody to catch COVID-19, but the fact that the MEAC has set a schedule, the fact that the schools have said they're going to play, the fact that the NCAA has said the FCS uh, can play. Um, wow, why so early, Bethune-Cookman? Uh, extremely, I think. I mean, you know, and again, I mean, it's just my, just my opinion. Extremely early to be making that decision other than from a financial uh, perspective. If you look at Bethune-Cookman, uh, it, it, it's 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 a situation where they're going to make the move to the SWAC. I don't think if Florida A&M hadn't gone to the SWAC, Bethune-Cookman would not be in the SWAC. Bethune-Cookman needs to be able to get itself together to go to the SWAC. And if you look at this, it's not only going to be Bethune-Cookman, it's going to be most, if not all, teams, uh, and even the, the FBS and Power 5 programs are going to lose Money. The difference between uh, the Power Five schools and everybody else, their losses aren't going to be as significant as the other uh, other conferences and other schools, other divisions that play pound for pound because of the TV revenue. But I mean, Bethune Cookman stands to lose a lot. So hey, why? I mean, why why play football? Okay, you know when. First of all, I mean, in, in, when I've gone to Bethune-Cookman games, it has, and I've been to Bethune-Cookman, you know, you know, four or five times, it, it, the, the, the fan support isn't that great. Like, it's not like the stands are filled. They play at the, the, the city municipal field in Daytona, and the fan support is just not that great. Comparatively speaking, I said this before, you look at a Florida A&M's got great fan support. So, you know, then the even with the gym, okay, for basketball, it's not the biggest gym. You're not going to be able to get a lot of people in the gym. That's going to be a lot of, from a financial standpoint, it's going to be a lot of money that Bethune-Cookman is going to have to spend to put on these athletic events. Obviously, you look at, you know, I, I don't know about baseball. They may charge for baseball because they play at a nice park, you know, a, 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 uh, a minor league park. Uh, there and I'm not sure where the softball team plays, but generally speaking, those are non-revenue sports. So you still have to spend money on non-revenue sports uh, with respect to football. You got to put those football games on. You got to play in those football games. The TV money, like yeah, the MEAC and the SWAC have a deal with ESPN, but the revenue. Is, I mean, I think, well, at least from what I knew some years ago, something like $120,000, at least that was the number that was reported that the conference was getting. And then, you know, maybe a share of, of some of the commercials to be able to sell during the broadcasts on ESPN. Although I am told that that is not the case, that the MEAC is not able to, uh, sources told me that they're not able to sell those uh, commercial spots. But, I mean, it's not a lot of money. So even if you, if the conference is giving Bethune-Cookman in this instance money to play on ESPN, well, it's not a significant amount of money compared to the money that you have to have game day operations people, uh, you have to have security, you have to have all of those things. That doesn't even count the testing that has to go on. Not even from a football standpoint, yeah, but from a basketball standpoint also, you're talking about two or three games. You know, I hadn't had a chance to look at Bethune-Cookman's schedule, but I don't know, you know, what those money games look like uh, for Bethune-Cookman more specifically 
with respect to men's basketball. I mean, it's probably not enough to cover expenses, you know, relative to where you could go. I mean, it'd be nice if, you know, Bethune-Cookman could play in state, the, you know, the Floridas of the world, the Florida states of the world, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to get a game check uh, from them. But I think this is a money play uh, for Bethune-Cookman. And I tell you what, it just, whenever it looks like <laughs> the conference, meaning the MEAC, make it a, could make a little bit of a rebound. Here comes something else. And I don't think we're done. You know, uh, you know, South Carolina State has suspended athletic practices because of COVID-19. Now, you know, that's just a suspension. But who knows? From a, Again, from a financial standpoint, South Carolina State, I mean, you're talking about a school that, that the legislature in South Carolina was talking about closing about three years ago. Okay, even though the football program does well, um, you know, the, the fan support isn't like it once was at South Carolina State. You like to see it better. I mean, I, I remember, you know, going the middle part of the two uh, or the latter part of the 2000s and you went Florida A&M, Bethune-Cookman would come to town, a and I mean, it'd be packed. I mean, you, you, it'd, be, it'd be a sellout there. I mean, to me, pound for pound, one of the best college football atmospheres. That has gone away. So, you know, we'll see what ultimately happens uh, with South Carolina State. But for all of these schools, and not just in the MEAC or the SWAC, but across the board, it's gonna, the operational costs are going to be astronomical and astronomically more now because of the COVID-19. 19 testing. How do you play? Will we see more schools drop out? I mean, here in the state of North Carolina, right now, we're in phase three. At an athletic competition, you can have 7% of the capacity of the stadium is how many fans you can have. So, for instance, you know, if I'm looking at North Carolina Central, uh, O'Kelly Riddick Stadium, holds, I think, 10,000, 7% of that, you can only have 700 fans. You know, I mean, how do you, you know, and then a lot of those fans, and I don't know how they're going to do it with the students because the students pay a student fee, so the students have to have a certain allotment of tickets. How does that work? I mean, nobody's really going to be able to make a lot of money off of uh, off of ticket sales. Not that they were anyway, but they're going to make less, you know, uh, then also with respect to concessions, how much money do you make off of concessions? Now you could go to your alumni and say, well, look, you know, we need to charge you X amount of dollars because we can all only have a certain amount of stand, uh, fans in the stands and alumni will understand that. Like if they want to come and support the team safely, of course, they'll come out and they'll pay whatever the, 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 not whatever, but you know, a lot of fans will do that. A lot of alumni will do that to support the program. But the question is, is Bethune-Cookman the last team that we're going to see suspend athletics for the 2019-2020 season? Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Up next here on From the Press Box to Press Row, going to be joined by Indianapolis Colts starting nose tackle, Grover Stewart, right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM.
track down the names making news in sports from the press box to press row. It's Donald Ware from the press box to press row. Let's continue here on from the press box to press row. We're joined by a young man who's in his fourth season in the National Football League, all with the Indianapolis Colts, a former fourth round draft pick in the 2017 NFL draft. Out of Albany State, the Colts 4-2 on the season have a showdown in Detroit against the Lions on Sunday as starting nose tackle Grover Stewart joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Grove, welcome back to the program. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Now, now last time we talked with you, it, it was it was, it was was Grover, but, but see, you're playing so well now, they're calling you Grove. Yes, sir. I'm trying to get the big Grove there. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that, man. How much fun are you having? How, in your fourth season in the league, how much fun are you having? Man, I'm having a lot of fun out there, man. Everybody bonding. The defense linking up with a team linking up. We're keeping it rolling, so I'm having a great time. Yeah. I mean, the team right now, in terms of total defense, third – well, against the run, that is, I should say, is third uh, in the National Football League. How much pride do you – uh, as an individual, take with that, and then of course the defense as a whole. I mean, I'm real big on it. I want to be number one, and like we're gonna work to be number one. So, like being the number the number three defense in the league with that, like I'm a little salty, but we're gonna work and get it. Yeah. What about that game you had against the Bears, man? Like, I mean, you know the 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 numbers and numbers. See, that's the thing. Like you know this, numbers don't always tell the story. I mean, even when you played at Albany State, I mean, you had some pretty good numbers, but those guys up front allow for those linebackers to get those tackles. So, talk about that game. You guys and you in particular really came in that game looking to stop the run against the Bears and ultimately did that. Yes, sir. So, like, like I tell, like me and Buck. That's my little partner in crime on the inside. So I tell him, I was like, man, let's go in. Let's stop this run, shut the run down, and let's get to the quarterback. Like, that'd be my main focus, like, so the guys could rush and so I could rush and get some sacks to shut down the run. So I'm real big on shutting down the run first. Once we shut down the run, then that lead the team to nothing else but the pass. Yeah. And, and more specifically against the Bears, can you, can you speak to that? That was you all's game plan coming in. We just wanted to get off, beat the lines, like like they say, um, out hit the opponents. So like that was the biggest thing to go in and out hit the Bears, and like that's what we did. Grover Stewart again in his fourth season in the National Football League, all with the Colts, joins us here on from the press box to press row. How have you grown? Grover in terms of uh, just being a player in the National Football League in, in now your fourth season? So I really think I've changed a lot, like dealing with my body, like my body fat and like being able to move, being able to break down offense and read, like break down films. So I really think I grew a lot, like within the four seasons, we're getting better on that. Yeah, six. Because what were you when you came out of uh, when you came out of Albany State? You, I mean, you're now six four, three fifteen. What, what were you when you came out of Albany State? I was like three thirty eight. I'm really six five, six six on a good day. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was three thirty eight, and I dropped my weight down. I dropped my body fat down. I'm now 
lifted at like 308. My body fat like 16%. So, like, I did a huge body change. No, it's no question about it. But, but, but come on now, how do you go? I mean, you know, it's one thing to drop the weight, but the height can't fluctuate. No, I'm still six six, man. On a good day, man. I don't know where they get the six four from. No, <laughs> oh, that's great. Grover Stewart joins us here uh, on the program. Talk a little bit about the relationship that you and defensive line coach Brian Baker has have, and how much um, you know he's uh, helped you to grow. Uh, he, I mean, he's just getting in there, and I mean, you're starting now and uh, really doing well on that Colts defensive line. So the relationship, man, uh, Bates, I say we got a real good relationship. Some of the players say that's my dad. They call me Grover Baker. I was like, man, chill out with that. <laughs> so, like, uh, they always teasing me with our relationship. But uh, Bates have helped me a lot, like, with my technique. He helped me a lot with uh, getting keys on plays um, and, like, with my production, like, getting to the ball. Like it, like most of everything. So, yeah, no. What's interesting? I mean, we we've obviously followed you in 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 all the years, but I mean, the production is 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 phenomenal. I mean, even if you look at the production last year, uh, much more production than you know. Certainly in 2018, I know 2017 limited playing time. You're trying to kind of understand uh, what's going on. Can you? Is it is it a situation where? You know, you put the work in in the offseason with your body, and then Baker kind of comes in, and all of those things have enabled you to sort of really take your game uh, to another level. I mean, your, I mean, your play, even from last year, which was good, to this year is much improved. Yes, sir. So, like, that's really on me, too, though. Like, I want to be, like, the best. So, I want to get better each season. Like, that's my focus, to be better than I was last year. And uh, Bate came in, and then he sharpened up everything with, like, my technique. So I want to say, like, that's a big part of him coaching me and, like, helping me read the keys and make plays. So, Yep, Grover Stewart joins us here on the program. Oh, you know, you went to Albany State, played four years there. Mike White recruited you. He played in the league, so he knew, you know, what was happening when he went out and got you. You know, what do you remember most about those days at Albany State? Man, I remember Coach, he used to always be on me. Like, Coach, he used to, like, we was in meetings one morning. We was in meeting around 5, like 5.30. And, like, he told me, he was like, Grover, you one of the best D-line that done came through here in a decade. And, like, for him to stop in the, the middle of the film and tell me that, like, it meant a lot and it meant that he seen something in me. And, like, I just used to always push myself or he pushed me. Like, he was real hard on me. So Yeah, and you you appreciated that, right? Because here's a man that played, that had experience, not only played in the National Football League, but was where you were some years ago as a top defensive line in the SIAC at Albany State. Yes, sir. So, like, I really got a lot from him because he seen something in me and, like, he already knew what it takes to get there, so. What what was that transition like for you? I can't remember now. Did you were you in the? I think you did do the combine, correct? No, sir, I didn't. Okay, but you, I mean, you, I know you maybe. Yeah, okay, you did not do the NFL combine, but still, again, a fourth round pick that that speaks even more volumes 
uh, because, you know, maybe you didn't have the exposure that you deserve. But what was the first year like for you with the Colts making that transition from Albany State to the National Football League and with the Colts? So, like, I want to say, like, the biggest thing for me was the technique. Like, everybody had, like, great technique when I was coming. I was like, man, how this guy doing this and doing that, making it look so easy? And, like, me, I was like a mauler guy, so I just wanted to get out the ball and beat somebody down, get out the ball and beat somebody down without technique. But they say, man, if you have technique, you'll be a way better player than you already are. So I want to say technique. The speed of the game, it changed a little bit, but it wasn't much. Wow. No, that's 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 uh, that's saying something. So um, tell us, how did you ultimately end up at Albany State? You you were slated to go, was it the University of Georgia? I mean, I had letters from there, but um, Albany, they just offered me like a full scholarship. I was already like behind the ball and like when like the D1 schools or the big schools see that I haven't took the test or they had the test scores. They backed away from me, and Albany State stayed with me, and it was a school right down the road. So, Yeah, no good deal. Last thought, what is it going to take to go to Detroit, pretty solid running game? You know, your thoughts on the Lions, and what is it going to take to uh, to go to Detroit and get the victory? I mean, we just got to keep doing what we've been doing, defensively and offensively. Like, I, we just need to set the run down. They got good backs. Uh, they got a good line, so veteran quarterback so we just got to stay with our same mindset man go out there and out hit our opponents and uh like dude we've been doing man stay together yeah i'm sorry i did say last thought but what what, what is the relationship between you and darius leonard like you guys are hp you know you guys are getting it done for that coach defense both hbcu guys sir and we always talk about it man darius we real cool like we like we always talking about the HBCU, we always talking about we putting on or how we gonna put on. So, like our relationship is real solid. I know you told him that in that that well, I know Benedict put on that classic that South Carolina State used to play in. But I know you t- probably told him that he's lucky that Albany State did not play South Carolina State. Y'all, you, you know, South Carolina State may have taken that L. He already know. I'll be trying to tell him, man. I be trying to tell him and Kenny, because Kenny went to bat also, so they used to whoop up on us a little bit. <laughs> that is great. Grover Stewart, a game, starting nose tackle for the Indianapolis Colts, joins us here on From the Press Box, the press row. The Colts are 4-2 on the season. They are on the road in Detroit against the Lions on Sunday. Grover, great job. Great to catch up with you, man. Continued success in all you do. Yes, sir. Thank you. Appreciate you, Grover. Grover Stewart doing his thing with the Indy Colts. And it's, you know, he, he's, as I mentioned, played a little bit, but he's played more each and every year till right now. I mean, there's talk like when you look around the National Football League and you're talking about nose tackles, you have to talk about Grover Stewart. Remember, this is Albany State, which is in the SIAC, a Division II conference, just shows that if you can play ball, they will find you we've got more uh, from the press box to press row here on espnu radio on sirius xm on the other side 
BoxToRow.com is the website for all of your HBCU sports needs. From the game of the week feature to interviews to the latest news in the world of HBCU sports, BoxToRow.com has you covered. Missed a week of From the Press Box to Press Row? BoxToRow.com has all the archive shows. Don't forget to check out the All-American teams and weekly media coaches' polls. From the Press Box to Press Row. And BoxToRow.com, your HBCU sports leader. Hey, did you hear about the Marjorie's Beef Jerky 1 million order fundraiser? The what? The Marjorie's Beef Jerky 1 million order fundraiser. No, what is it? It's a fundraiser for Marjorie's Beef Jerky. For every 1 million orders of Marjorie's Pick Any 6 Flavors Beef Jerky, they'll donate $2 million to employ civil rights attorneys and or provide burial costs to people for unjustified murders. Wow, that's pretty cool, and I do love Marjorie's Beef Jerky. I'm going to tell all my friends, and you should too. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. We need your help to reach 1 million orders so that we can assist those in need. Purchase Marjorie's Beef Jerky online right now at Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. That's Marjorie'sBeefJerky.com. Or call them toll-free, 844-340-7613. Marjorie's Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky on the planet. We're back here on From the Press Box to Press Row. If you have any thoughts on anything that Grover Stewart had to say, he joined us in the last segment starting nose tackle for the Indianapolis Colts, played his collegiate football at Albany State. Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. The Twitter feed is open. Also on Facebook. B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. You can also hit me on my personal Twitter account, at dware one at dware one or on my personal Instagram account, at where Donald. So Trevor Lawrence is out. The starting quarterback for Clemson is out, has contracted the coronavirus, going to be out of the game tomorrow against Boston, uh, yes, against Boston College shouldn't really be much of an issue for Clemson. The question is, will he be available next week for the game against Notre Dame? And man, that promises to be an outstanding football game. I mean, when you're talking about Clemson, like Clemson is clearly the best team in the country right now. Again, you know, talked a lot about ACC football. And by the way, Notre Dame is part of ACC football and it's, not, I mean, even you you look at Carolina going back a couple of weeks ago, falling to an unranked Florida State. So still the cream of the crop, Clemson, you know, Miami's still right there. Got a bye week, going to face uh, in North Carolina State on next Friday. But you got a bye week, you know, uh, you know Miami and is up there. Uh, but really Clemson and then Notre Dame for this year as a member of the ACC, at least for this year, cream of the crop. I mean, there's a lot of questions. And, and first of all, remember, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence was one of the the, the more vocal uh, student athletes and, and more high profile that wanted to play football this season. And I guess it was more so if you really think about it, it wasn't that he wanted to have the right to be able to say that he wanted to play football. Unfortunately, I mean, this, I, I'm telling you, like, listen, I, again, I'm going to support 
collegiate athletics. If that's what you want to do, I'm going to support it. I, I, I you know, I again, I, I can't say it enough. Like, I don't want to know what it's like to contract the corona virus a an extremely high risk more so than any other sport is football even I think more so than basketball uh, certainly more so than if you look at a sport like baseball uh, and softball which is a naturally social distance sport it's more or less the contraction I think with respect to those sports is how close of an interaction do you have with your teammates in, in a in the dugout like that's more of the question more so than on the field I mean obviously football you just can't run away from that and oh by the way you have the sideline element to that as well but the question moving forward I think for Clemson is and I mean I you know listen I mean Clemson's not going to lose the game this weekend I mean you know you can forget about that I mean as good as Trevor Lawrence is he's got so many weapons to go to offensively and then you look at the dominating Perhaps, I mean, the best defense in the country, the dominating Clemson defense. It's not, you know, it's not a matter if Clemson's going to lose this game, but a couple of questions. Will Lawrence be available next week for the Notre Dame game? The protocol states that a, a student athlete in the ACC-wise has to have had not uh, the, the actual 10, they have to sit out 10 days, and that starts once the student athlete begins having symptoms. Okay. So, you know, I think, you know, if you look at it, you know, even if it's Wednesday, uh, that's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he should be ready to rock and roll. If, 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 you know, if he has a negative test, of course, moving forward or yeah, moving forward, if he has negative tests a little bit closer to next week, I mean, it, that, that shouldn't be an issue, but let's say he's unavailable for the game next week against Notre Dame. And let's say that Clemson loses that game to Notre Dame. And listen, let's say Alabama, you know, runs the table. And, you know, are we for that, for the college playoff? And by the way, Pac-12 hasn't even played as of yet. But the Pac-12, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens once Pac-12 play gets going again when you're talking about the ACC you're talking about Clemson and you're talking about Notre Dame but let's just say Clemson loses the Tigers lose to the Fighting Irish next week let's say Notre Dame runs the table Alabama runs the table I mean you know Alabama's going to be going to be there if the tide rolls the tape uh, runs the table roll tide Uh, If, in fact, Notre Dame runs the table and then, I mean, Ohio State, right? So, like, I mean, and and then you you have behind them a a one-loss Georgia team. You know, Cincinnati, I mean, it's going to be about the power five. Cincinnati's not going to, you know, they're just not going to get in. I mean, will the committee hold the loss if – Clemson loses hold the loss against or by Clemson against Notre Dame against Clemson would the committee hold that loss uh, against the Tigers we will see I mean like your best player and perhaps you know certainly the best quarterback in all of college football and uh, probably the best 
arguably the best player in all of college football uh, was unavailable. And, and that's part of the committee. That's part of what the committee does. The committee has to take into those factors who played sometimes who played, who didn't play. But I mean, would Clemson deserve after with one loss to be in the college football playoff? Alabama's going to be there. Ohio state provided. Now, of course we, we're talking if these teams run the table, everything's off the table. Alabama loses. Ohio State loses. Notre Dame loses. Everything's off the table. Then certainly if Clemson with only one loss and let's say Clemson and Notre Dame play in that ACC championship game because you got to figure that what if, let's say, what if Clemson avenges that loss? Then do both Clemson and Notre Dame get into the playoff? Uh, provided, I mean, you would think they would if Alabama State, Ohio State lost, perhaps Georgia lost one more time, depending upon when and where, you know, what what are the circumstances, SEC championship game, et cetera. A lot of questions, a whole lot of questions to be answered. Uh, Clemson, I don't think, is going to have any problems with Boston College uh, this weekend, but the game that's looming, and by the way, uh, you know, it'll give the new quarterback for Clemson an opportunity. I mean, this is an opportunity for that quarterback to shine, right, against Boston College in case he's needed for the game against Notre Dame. And by the way, I mean, uh, you know, Clemson is so good that, I mean, they I mean, they could beat Notre Dame without Trevor Lawrence. Defense is a top-notch defense. So many other weapons on that offensive side of the football uh, for Clemson, but it certainly uh, is an interesting uh, conversation. Should Clemson, if Clemson loses one game, wins the remaining games, including in the ACC championship, but loses to Notre Dame next week without Trevor Lawrence, should Clemson still make the college football playoff? Your thoughts? Hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Hampton is no longer in the MEAC, but Hampton has decided to suspend athletics for the season. Hampton University is suspending athletics for the season. How many more programs will we see? And again, I, I mean, I still look at it as a, a from a financial uh, situation even as it relates to Hampton and Hampton you you know Hampton's going to be uh extremely cautious I, you know even in the MEAC you know Howard's going to be extremely cautious um as well as the priority I mean there's more of a priority on athletics for Hampton than there is Howard uh Howard's priority on athletics is you know it's it's probably better maybe <laughs> than it used to be but certainly that's a, I mean, Howard is a well, is a world renowned school more so for its academics. I mean, I just, I don't know, like this is just bad for the MEAC, um, you know, and I think we're going to see so many more programs that are going to forego, especially smaller programs across the board, not just in the MEAC, across the board that are going to go forego athletics all right before i get out of here on from the press box to press row a reminder the hbcu virtual tailgate series uh, again is taking place the the highlighted school this week is going to be north carolina a and i'm going to have a conversation 
with Will Jones, the head men's basketball coach of North Carolina a and We've had a lot of fun with this HBCU virtual tailgate series. Again, you can watch it on the Facebook Live pages of the athletic departments of Alabama State, Florida A&M, Howard, North Carolina A&T, and also Southern uh, Terrence J is one of my co-hosts, Kelly Wells, former uh, Olympian uh, uh, bronze medalist back in 2012, one of my co-hosts as well. We have a lot of fun. It's a lot of HBCU culture. We mix in the sports element. You know, we 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 take you back with uh, with 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 uh, with the bands playing, and it, it's just the next best thing to actual homecomings and actual HBCU culture, which. Obviously, no college football being played amongst the HBCUs, at least as of right now. But ultimately, we'll also see what happens in February. Got to get ready to run here on From the Press Box to Press Row. A big thank you to Grover Stewart of the Indianapolis Colts for joining us today here on the program. If you're going to be out and about trick-or-treating, uh, please be safe or any anything you're doing Halloween-wise, please be safe. We're still in a pandemic. Please, social, uh, you know, physical distance, wear those masks as well. Also, don't forget, vote, vote, vote. Uh, this weekend may be your last opportunity to vote early, so please get it done. And always remember to support those that support you. Yo, from the press box to press row is presented by DW Communications. This year, Halloween fell on the weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys are trick or treating. Robbing little kids for bags. Till an old man got behind our rags. So we speeded up the pace. Took a look back, and he was right before our face. We were in for a squab, no doubt. So I swung and tried to take him out. He was going down, we planned. But this wasn't no ordinary man He stood about six or seven feet Now that's the creep I be seeing in my sleep So we triple teamed on him Dropping them fifth ward